decline to put out formal guidelines because they understand how much confusion it caused last year, right? Broadcasting from Essex, it's the 5th of April 2021 and you're listening to Salonomics. The Bitcoin price is currently $58,000. I am your host, Aaron Dawn, and joining me once again from North London is my hair Reg Hollis, Joe Mehmet. Who the hell's Reg Hollis? I mean, no disrespect to him, but I can't be associated with someone like that. Reg Hollis is a legend. Now, is let it? me explain. Go Reg on. Hollis is a legend. Um, for all you... Um, for all you TV watchers in the 80s and 90s, we used to have this show called The Bill, right? And you know my formula for getting your name is essentially going to Twitter, seeing what's trending, and then the first thing that pops into my head with what's trending. Anyway, so I went on Twitter, and what was trending was Kill The Bill. Uh, the okay. first thing that pops into my head when I think of The Bill is the old show on ITV in the 90s called The Bill. And my favourite character was Reg Hollis. He was the one that everyone seemed to like pick on uh, in the show. Uh, he was being and, bullied, uh, was he? He was being bullied. He was, he, was the, he was the one that was bullied. As opposed to you, you're just a bully, right? So, so in yeah. today's world, right, he would have been... Um... He would have got. Uh, he would have got discrimination. He would have got. He would have, he would have got a lot of money, wouldn't he? <laughs> he would have been a victim. He would be yeah. uh, living the life of a millionaire. Right yeah, exactly. Now. You know, yeah. on, on on it would have been on sort of chat show TVs or magazines just for just for being. He would bullied. have sold his story to the newspapers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. He would have had a YouTube documentary made about. Would, him. would it be in Page Free in the Sun as well? Because I remember the Page Free in the Sun. I mean, they, they started doing men, didn't they? Did they do men? I'm sure they. Uh, page Seven Fella, I think you're thinking it's, of. Right, because it would have been in that as well. Because he was a victim. Of course. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> of course. Brilliant. Don't stop Brilliant. objectifying people, Joe. You can get cancelled for that. We've we've spoke about this. Stop objectifying people. Yes, yes. Treat every treat everyone as they deserve to be treated. Right. And it goes. Does it go something like that? Something like that. Yeah. Treat something like that. Treat them as you want to be treated yourself. It's the same. Yeah. yeah. Something like that. Well, happy Easter, Joe. Happy Easter. Is it happy? Do you say happy Easter? No, no, not at all. But um, I thought I was just being polite. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, that's yeah. that's to, you're talking to a Muslim who don't really saw like celebrate uh, Easter. So, so will you get offended if I uh, if I say happy happy Easter to you? No, no, at all, because I like chocolate anyway. So, <laughs> happy days. Yeah, happy what days. about if I said happy Christmas to you? Uh, I say Merry Christmas. I wouldn't so I wouldn't say Happy Christmas. I I, I like sure. Christmas actually, but I I, I like Christmas actually. I, I really but I mean, do. is that a thing though? Would people get like you know, offended if I mean, I mean, I'm not Jewish, but if someone said to me, "What is it, Molotov?" or M- something M- like that, Molotov, yeah, Molotov, yeah. Like I wouldn't get offended. I'd be no, like, thank um, you. "What's what's Molotov?" <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I'd not have Molotov to, I'd cocktail. Have to... That's the um, well. Yeah, I mean, Russian. yeah, Muzzletop, yeah. Muzzletop, is it Muzzletop? M- M- sorry, yes. Muzzletop. I'm what an idiot, M- Molotov. Mol- yeah. you think, you're thinking of sort of like your demonstration um, with a, with a no, co- Molotov cocktail in your head. No, <laughs> I'm thinking of playing Call of Duty uh, yeah. later. That's all it is. Yeah. I was, uh, not, not the Banksy image with a sort of like a masked up dude with a sort of like about to throw a, a Molotov cocktail at the police or something like that. 
Yeah, muzzle top. Yeah, muzzle top. Yeah. No, no, you I said mean, thank you very much. You know, it's it's nice. You know, it's it's nice in terms of endearment, isn't it? I mean, that's that's the thing about cultures, right? They're, we've all got this sort of wonderful sayings, right? And you know, mm. it's endearment, isn't it? You know, that's yeah. I, no, absolutely, it is a term of endearment. Just like um, in London, you know, the c word can be used as a term of endearment or term of endearment or offensively or you know it can be used in many contexts. Yes. It um Mozeltov. is literally translated as good luck. Yeah, but, yeah. but isn't used as a phrase is in English as a wish to the future. Right. Instead the implicit meaning is good luck has occurred or your fortune has been good. Yes. Okay. So it's good luck. It's good luck exactly. Yeah. Okay. Bon, bon chance. Bon chance. Yeah. Bon, bon chance. Indeed. Bon anyway, it's enough of all that shenanigans. What is today's show about, Joe? What are we going to talk about? Well, it's Scotland. Da, 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 da. It's a great reopening in oh. Scotland today, isn't it? Is it not a bank holiday up there? Isn't it a bit ironic? No, 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 no. It's no, a bank actually, holiday and everyone's no, got to go back to work on a bank holiday. No, they're, they're working. Uh, the salons are open. Oh, okay. uh, well, non essential shops are open. And Wales have obviously been open for a week, of course. Yes, uh, we. I mean, Ireland, Ireland is still wait, Northern Ireland, I should say, not Ireland. Northern Ireland is still mm-hmm. waiting for a date because they haven't got one. And no. we, we, and, and the U, and England is uh, next week. So, yeah. so it, it's slowly opening up, isn't it? The uh, the UK. Which yeah, um, so. So this goes into uh, setting up today's show. So um, feedback from the last show. Um, did we have any um, questions from the last show? Well, we did our show last week in um, Sheffield, didn't we? Well, we did, yeah, but that obviously hasn't gone out yet. So our previous show was um, Rules of Engagement. Was it Rules of Engagement? Oh, let me have no, a look. No, no. Our previous show was the best reopening strategy after lockdown. Right. Yes. Yes. And you know, we discussed that length about you know the principles, uh, what what to do, you know, practical the, advice the, the, the about how to open. Yeah, the expectations. No, we didn't talk about expectations. Oh, okay. We just talk about that's what we're going to talk about in today's show. The right. expectations. Right. But in the last show, we spoke about you know what what rules you should follow, what principles you should try and adhere to, just to enhance you know. The, the practicalities of reopening after being shut for four months. You know, we're all going through the same thing. Um, so we thought we'd extend today's show and talk about what we can expect after opening. Um, obviously, this is, you know, this isn't based on any kind of evidence apart from, you know, what the Welsh and the Scottish are going to be going through today. But yeah. let's make a few predictions today, shall we, Joe? Right. Go on, then. Today's, today's a predictive show. So, um, so what to expect? So, hang on. Ding. Right. So, the one controlling idea of today's show is what would Joe expect to be different once we open on April the 12th? Well, different from um, pre-COVID to, to post. Yeah. As, I mean, as, as, can... in a, as in a year ago. As in, no, just, I mean, as in what we can expect to change when we go back. Obviously, we can look from the point of view of client experience, about work processes, workflow, checkouts, um, selling products, you know, what what are all these things? Because obviously, we can, 
we can predict what's going to happen. Yes. But we're not going to know until <laughs> we're in it, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, so, I, I, I suppose if the first thing I would sort of like be, be doing differently. Yeah. Yeah, and and this will play straight into your um, your concept. I won't have any product in the salon. Completely, okay. completely empty. You know the the the, uh, the, the sh- well, I mean, most sellers now actually have emptied their shelves anyway, right? Because they can't sell these products anyway, or or they can't display. It. I don't, I don't know what the guidelines are. Do you know what the guidelines are about products selling? No, there isn't. I mean, as far as I'm aware, the last um, the last time I'm, I've heard of the subject is there's no explicit guidelines being given out to anybody yet. So on the, on, on, are, the, pro- on the product side, in, in, I mean, in terms of everything, Joe, everything right. from how many masks you've got to wear to how many visors to how many times you've got to spray chemicals around the salon to how many times you've got to sanitize your hand. Because obviously, what we experienced during the last lockdown was. Every time the government made an announcement, it gave us more questions and answers. So everyone went back to the government with more questions. Well, what about this? What about this? What about this? And then the government then forced their hand to put out so many guidelines out there that everyone was just in a permanent state of confusion. As remember, we had the story last year. You're not allowed to use hair dryers in the salon. Yeah. Yeah. And everyone was a bit worried. They're like, well, how can I do the hair and finish the hair if... I can't use a hairdryer. And obviously we laughed at this whole point because it was like anyone that tries to ban hairdryers doesn't seem to understand how air works in a salon. Because if you're opening the door, then the air's going to move around. If you've got to stay with the window open. So but my point is a lot of the guidance that is put out by government creates a lot more confusion than it actually solves. But, but I so I think the government have re- declined to put out formal guidelines because they understood, and um, they understand how much confusion it caused last year. Right? But I, I, I suppose because we we actually looked at ourselves some time ago, we were doing a salonomics as a as a consultancy base. We actually looked at airflow in a salon, didn't we? Mm. You, you know, I mean, we, we actually saw, you know, with with the air conditioning, with the doors, with the chairs, how not, you know, people would call it feng shi or different like that, but we actually looked at it in a scientifically manner, right? How we could get the maximum sort of like uh, effect in, in a salon without make without being uncomfortable and we looked at how air flowed in in, in situations and we we actually sort of said to ourselves before we decide we have to go into the environment to to gauge the air and i think we did government guidelines right and quite rightly so because these salon salon's atmosphere will work very differently with the with where the door is situated where the air conditioning is situated if they've got windows to open up and this and that right so they had to sort of do one one sort of strategy about how air should operate in, a, in a, an environment hence probably why you know no hair dryers are such and windows opening such and no air conditioning but i think it's very important air flow in a salon because you know it's it, it does affect the well-being of a person as well because um, you know if it's too stuffy, you're gonna feel very drowsy, aren't you? You're gonna feel very, very lethargic, so, and if it's too cold, you're gonna be uncomfortable. Um, so to get the right flow of air in in an environment, it's very, very important. So I suppose that's important. Yeah, right. yeah, no, totally. But I was re- I was merely using that as, an as example yeah, exactly for but... the insane nature 
of well, everyone panicking when they opened last year. You know, yeah, I think I'm, I think I'm, what the public need now is a bit of common sense, joined up thinking, rather than people saying, right, products should be banned because of COVID. I don't you think know, it's bad. Hair dryers should can't... be banned because of COVID. Because obviously we went through all this shenanigans last year and obviously it was complete nonsense. Yeah, and it but... was hyperbole. On a really ridiculous scale. No, so, not really, because if you actually sort of look at where you go to no, supermarket. No, but Joe, it was. It was. Mm, I don't know. It was. Every time you open the door, air will move around the salon. So the yeah. idea that people were saying you couldn't use hair dryers for fear of air moving around the salon. Yeah, because. Just, just fed into this insane narrative that salons were dangerous places to go. Well, no, if it... You know, we don't, we don't, we want to dispel. We want to dispel those myths and that nonsense. We don't want to add to it. Yeah, I don't want to go to the size of it, but, um, but look, I suppose with the government last year just didn't know what they were dealing with, really. Uh, you, you, do you know what I mean? Look, look at gyms. You, you know what I mean? Where people are healthiest, most healthiest people go to the gyms, right? But then if they're sort of sprewing out because you know they're, they're pumping out more air from their lungs, it could sort of spread the virus quicker, right? So, oh, but, but, you yeah, know what I mean? So this is the thing. So this, this is why I wanted to do this show today. Uh, we can expect, right, so what can we expect from the great reopening? Well, we can expect some fear, uncertainty and doubt, can't we? That are, from are a client's point place. of view or from the hairdresser's point of view? From everywhere, from everywhere's point yeah. of view, you know, whether it be, you know, the mainstream media peddling a narrative about, you know, the dangers of salons opening and us going back too quick, whether it be Boris Johnson and his fellow harbingers of doom, Valance and Witty, <laughs> to say, you know, hairdressers have killed more people in the last year than vaccine, you know, all of that stuff, all of this hyperbole, which gets taken out of context that... You know, because we're obviously a very clickbaity society now. You know, it's clickbait headlines. Which you kind you, of you sound like the hair, hair and beauty council last year, where they were telling the self-employed hairdressers right, not to go to people's houses because they could kill someone. That's what uh, you sound the, but, like. <laughs> well, I know I sound like that, but that's what I'm saying. We shouldn't. We should dispel all of this yes. fear. Yes. Our job is to dispel it, Joe. I know I sound like that because we made the mistake last year of listening to these idiots yeah. um, who were basically perpetuating these these BS theories yes. about hair dryers in the salon are going to create more COVID cases. It's like, well, hang on, opening the window by that by that measure is going to create more COVID cases, which obviously it didn't. Do you know what I mean? So it was like I say, we the whole point of today's show, Joe. Is to dispel yeah, the expect the right. fear, the uncertainty, the doubt right. that people are going to go into salons and people that are going to be working in salons. So, for example, let's let's follow it through. So, I'm a client. I phoned you up, Joe, desperate to get my hair done when you open. Um, you know what's the protocol? What are people being asked to do? Well, because you're my favourite client, Aaron. You're going to be yes. the first one on the great reopening. So come. Okay. So you're the first one in my appointment. Right, seven o'clock. Seven o'clock in the morning. You have to be there. Would you take that opportunity to sort of like be the first client in, or would you okay. say, or would you sort of like say, I want to go a bit later or whatever, right? No, I mean I would. Yeah. I right. would if I was desperate for a yeah, haircut. Desperate. I would be the, I would that'd be like there. gold dust, right? right? Yeah, exactly. So you turn up for a salon. Okay, you, you're going to be greeted 
you're going to be met and greeted by the same people, receptionist. Mm-hmm. But the only trouble is, they've been masked up. Are guess. they allowed to take your coat? No, nope, I don't think so. No. Okay. Well, that's insane. So that's just, there you go. I think, I think, it's snowing I, today, I, by the way, everyone. It is snowing there on, actually. <laughs> You're not allowed to wear a coat in yeah. the salon. But... Um, no, but it wasn't a guideline sort of set. Like you, you, you get a welcome pack, don't you? I mean, I think the top sellers were giving welcome packs. So you put your, you put your mobile phone, you put your bag, you put everything in that welcome pack, yeah. don't you? As it, as it was basically speaking, it's a big shopping bag, I suppose, with your own yeah. gun in it, and you know, you put all your personal belongings into it, don't you? And then you hold it beside you at all, all times. So when you go to the backwash, you go to sort of the, um, the cutter station, and then you leave. With it, I suppose. Okay. Uh, so you get given your own little plastic sanitized yeah. PE kit. P- PE bag. Exactly. That's that. That's that's how I would operate on that level at the okay. beginning. All right. So you eliminate that um, that fear already, haven't you? That, okay. That they, that as a salon, we're doing our utmost to make you feel safe. Okay. So straight away, my my. My uh, first thing there is that's going to take more time and it's going to cost the salon more money, Joe. Yeah. Well, right. well, we discussed that, didn't we? So. Yeah, no, we have. We have. But like I say, I just want to, you know, find out what the consequences are of all these new new things. So obviously, if, so that invariably, I'm booked in, I'm your first client, but you normally do my hair in 45 minutes, but now you've got to do my hair in 60 minutes because you've had to stretch the amount of time taken to do my hair plus you're going to be rusty right do you, you haven't cut hair for no. months right so right. you're going to be a bit rusty well, and you're going to want to catch up with a client aren't you because you've not seen that client for three four months well have you ever tried talking through a mask for more than five minutes yeah i have it's horrendous exactly uh, how, i can't how understand you... what people are saying it... i can't I, they can't understand what i'm saying hundred percent yeah. so I, I would i would probably think right so like the the, the, the you, you have to communicate with the eyes, I suppose. I mean, it's all like I don't know if you ever saw sort of did haircuts through through uh, you communicate through the, through the eyes. You know what I mean? Because I got the visor on, so when I wear a concave visor, <laughs> yeah. I look cross-eyed. You're gonna be cross-eyed. I, I think okay. that's that's gonna be at the window. I mean, there's no way in a million okay. years any self-respecting hairdresser. A colorist, I, I can agree with, but a hairdresser as as a haircutter. Yeah. That's a no-no. You can. What's a no-no? Mask and visors. No, but wear a visor because that's right. going to distort your whole um, vision. Vision, you, you, you yeah. know your technique, really. And, and you know, we, and we're talking about margins of error here, really. You know what yeah. I mean? So, uh, if you so, if you start talking a millimeter, so like a um, lopsided um, guideline, it's going to be a lopsided haircut. So, Hmm. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't wear that. I wear I, I, a mask definitely, but I wouldn't wear a, a visor. Okay, so what's next then? So obviously you're going to have a shampoo. Now, obviously we've discussed in one of the previous shows about the legislation, the new legislation that's been brought in by insurance companies, our overlords, um, about shampooing. Yeah, but that hasn't come into play yet, has it? So we're talking It's not about... come into play, but it's, you know... I. Do you, do you not think the narrative surrounding patch testing and things like that will? I don't know. I mean, obviously, it's it's not something that we've discussed with the general public, is it? You know, the general public are probably completely unaware of this. I think it called beauty salon syndrome, weren't it? Where people were getting hooks from 
Like, I mean, not saying people. I'm saying that the cases were so minuscule. You know, you're talk, probably yeah. talking tens of millions of hair appointments a year, and probably two people have been afflicted yeah. with this. Well, I, I, I can't sort of see that sort of like um, being a case after a lockdown. Right? <laughs> you know, do you know what I mean? Because people, people were so excited to get their hair cut. I don't think they'd yeah. be worried about. Um... So nothing's going to change at the backwash. No, you don't think? I don't you, think so. You think the back backwash yeah. will be you normal? Yeah. yeah. So consultation, consultation oh, for a mask. Listen, I mean, the thing, don't forget, right? So, like some some salons, I would probably think they they would have got rid of certain stuff, right? So they, mm. so the hairdresser might do their own shampoo anyway. I would think if that's that's the way, I would sort of like you know these sort of small to medium yeah. sized salons. If they're worried about their takings, they social would, distancing yeah, as well, yeah, like you, having a smaller amount of people in the in the salon at all times. Exactly. Yeah. So you know, you know, I mean, I I myself was a hair cutter as such. I probably might have to be a little bit more than a hair cutter, as in sort of like a floor sweeper, a shampooist, sure. a receptionist. I, I wouldn't be a colorist, but I could definitely do all those other things. Okay, so the hairdressers are having to basically do more yeah. in that time as well. It, it, so the hairdresser isn't now relying on doing the consultation, um, directing the assistant what shampoo to use and all of that. The hairdresser is uh, meeting and greeting, taking the, the customer's coat and whatnot, um, handing over the thing, explaining yeah. the rules, doing the consultation, yeah. doing the backwash, cutting the hair, doing the blow dry. Exactly. And an hour's gone, and then they've probably got to take the money and take the payment as well, right? So exactly. But then I would think. I mean, most if most sellers, I would definitely get more prepaid anyway. Personally speaking, I would not have sure. Any, I would not have but, anyone. Sort but let's let's stick let's stick to rather than technical innovations for all this. Let's just stick with you know the actual process. Yeah, process. So there's going to be more pro. There's going to be more pressure. On the, on hair, the individual oh, hairdresser, of right? Course, of course, of course. More just, pressure than ever. Yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely. Just, just okay. to satisfy one customer, which so yeah, like if you're like going, you, like you said, sorry to interrupt. Like yeah. you said, forty-five minutes will become ninety minutes. Yeah. So uh, therefore, if I'm under more pressure as a hairdresser, I'm going to be wanting, wanting to charge more, right? Mm. For the extra time. This the is, extra service yes. and the extra work that I have to do as part of this, um, part of this appointment, part of this single appointment, right? Mm -hmm. Surely you got you got to feel that, right? If you've got oh, to, if you're the hairdresser and you've got to do all the shampoo and you've got to make the tea, the coffee. I mean, that's the other thing. Uh, uh, teas and coffees allowed yet? No. Well, they're they're still not allowed. Well, they haven't been they have been reinstated, have they? Right. They, they were taken away the first in the first lockdown, but they haven't been yeah. reinstated, have they? So yeah, so that's a, so does that does that the, the 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 classy coffee does that remove a little bit from the experience the overall experience? Well, look, you you can't drink a coffee through a mask, right? <laughs> so there's no so again, you know, for the sake for the sake of your health and safety, I think you can sacrifice a cup of coffee, Aaron. You, you know, yeah, no, I, I think I think you can, Joe. But I think that the main point I'm trying to put out there is. It's going to be very difficult to balance well, see, charging more money could, for a, a worse experience. Well, not really, because let me give you an analogy that I remember when I was um, in my heydays, right? Was that, have you ever done a haircut from really long to very, very short? 
Uh, not, no, not, I mean, yeah, of course I have. Yeah. Now, um, I mean, I, yeah. I had clients come to me, right, who had extremely long hair and they were to go completely as short as I could go short without using the clippers, okay? Right. And that experience, that emotion, right, is such a euphoria. It's it's a real wow. Now, when that client came back to have a same to have the same haircut, well, same look, right? It's not the same experience because she's just having a trim. Okay, so go from very long to very short. It's an emotional experience, but having a trim to short is not the same experience. So there's a slightly, slightly, a, a bit of a sort of like a, a flat curve there. You know, it's like, ooh, you know what I mean? So it's a very, very different experience. And I think it's the same thing here. That is that a client's going to go into the salon. What they're experiencing is going to be completely different to what they have been experiencing. So sure. it's, it's, a, it's a new wow, Aaron. This is a new wow. Because mm. they haven't had a haircut for seven months, mate. Was it seven months? About four months. Four. Four months, right? So it doesn't matter what you give them. I mean, you can even cut their hair on a loose seat. That would be a wow. You, you understand what I'm trying yeah. to say? Yeah. Yeah, no, I understand what you're trying to say. Um, I just, I just, my fear is, you know, how do we balance the reduction in experience? Because obviously the, there will be a reduction in, in, in the client's overall experience. And if we're trying to but what, save what, what, our, what, what, what if we're trying to save our salary, then we're going to have to increase our price. Well, this is it. I mean, look. So, what, what it, how do we balance? How do we balance the reduction in, in experience well, okay. with an increase in price and not upsetting uh, and still being able to manage client expectations? Well, this is where the hairdresser, the, the, the salon owners, have to be brave. They have to mm-hmm. be, be as you saw, like thinking, you know what, I. I've got a lot of clients and my clients are begging me to sort of open up again, etc., etc. Mm. I'm going to test their loyalty because at the same time, right, they, the client has to um, have to sort of support that salon. And if it mm. means an increase of five pairs, it's an increase of five pairs that they have to um, indeed too. And they will sure. do. I, I believe, I wouldn't say five pairs because look, let's put it this way. If you if you're if you're due, you can't shampoo the client's hair for a start, right? And you shampoo and you have to shampoo the uh, the client. Mm. You say she's saving a tip there already, isn't she? Or three, four, five pounds. You know what I mean? Yeah, maybe. Do you, you know yeah. what I mean? You, again, so you can actually put that onto the uh, onto the costings, really. So I think yeah. it's it's up to the hairdressing owner. It's up to the individual hairdresser. Yeah. But 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 like I say, I think there's always these hidden costs. Yeah. There's always these hidden costs of things that don't seem to rear their ugly head until we're like kind of halfway through. And for me, my fear is all of a sudden I'm now increasing my price by say 10%, yet the actual time I'm spending on that client is increasing by 25%. Well, would, 30%. Why, 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 Do you understand why, what yeah, I mean? Why, why, so would, you, like, why would you put the price up by 10%? Would you not put it up by 25%? Well, of course, I would put it up by 25%, but I don't think there's a lot of salon owners, like like what you're saying, that are brave enough to go, this is our flat rate. We have to earn this now per hour because of the increase in um, time, because of the increase of expenses, because of the increase in inflation, and all of those things. So they might end up putting their price up 10%, 
and trying really hard to justify that 10%. Well, when I, really, the actual value you're providing is an extra 30%. Well, I would so I, I, think, I think the tendency is for hairdressers to not put up their prices high enough um, that, to, to counteract, that, to that, counteract yeah, that, that this. Would, I would look at it very differently. Because okay. if you sort of look at so pre-COVID, yeah. there was... Even though there was a, a client was getting a lot of attention, it wasn't very personal, was it? It was like, you know, reception, junior, junior, colorist, colorist, hairdresser, hairdresser, reception, junior, junior. You know, there's a lot of sort of like shenanigans going on. Now, if mm. you've got the hairdressers sort of meeting, greeting, shampooing, doing their hair, and then bye-bye, that's more of a personal touch, in my opinion. That's more of a mm. more one-to-one uh, service. So when is a more one-to-one service? you're actually giving a bit more bona fide service. So that in itself is, is worth a lot more money. That's more valuable, Aaron, than, than the pre-COVID experiences. Okay, so mm. I, I think you could actually, so because like you said, for 45 minutes, you're spending 90 minutes, so you're spending more time. And I think the client, and hopefully the client would appreciate this, because you want them to appreciate mm. the service, attention to, de, um, attention to service, that they, they're quite happy to pay for it too. Now, if they're not happy to pay for it, then you, know, you don't need them as a client, do you? Well, this is the thing. Um, this, is, this is my fear, and I, I hope you're right, but I, I believe that client expectation um, will, will obviously have to increase because that client expectation goes along the same uh, line as the, you know, how much they're paying for the service. Hmm. Um, you know, my fear is that we're going to be treading... Um, we're going to be treading very carefully going forward. It's going to be very difficult to be able to manage self-employed people within uh, an employee salon environment. I, I, I think I, the I, line is going to get really, really hard to be able to manage a self-employed or a sole trader that works within a I, salon system. I'd be very right surprised. Now. I'd be very surprised if there would be anyone on a commission base only in, in a salon these days. Very, very surprised. Yeah. Really, because really. I if it was me, if I was if I was out of the commission based only in a salon, I, as mm. a, I would have left by now anyway. I would, I would, really, yeah. I think we are seeing a lot of that. We are seeing a lot of people that have been supported by the salons um, throughout lockdown, throughout the last year, and of course they've been supported via the salons via the government. So it's government support, yeah. and now it's come to reopening time. I think a lot of people have jumped ship. Yeah. A lot of people have kind of I don't and I don't know what why this where this comes from. I don't know if this is, you know, personal fear from the person going back to doing a job. I, I, don't, I don't think it's personal. I don't think it's that. I'll tell you what it is. It's a client requesting. Sorry about that. Let me just interrupt there. Yes, we just got onto another subject about why there was such a fear and anxiety about opening up. And obviously, that's where the recording equipment went down. So I'm so disappointed because, like I say, Joe gave me a round of applause for my little mini rant. Uh, but fundamentally, I was simply arguing the point of the pressure is going to be on this first appointment back time's going to be super precious and everyone needs to work very very smart throughout this next three months of hairdressing 
So I really just want to summarize what we were talking about in three tips. So the, these are the things that I'm going to be doing as we reopen next week. The first thing is icebreaker. Your customer is going to be in a euphoric frame of mind. This is the first time they've been able to have their hair done for three to four months. They're going to want to embrace this meeting with you. They're going to want to catch up with you. They're going to want to chew the fat and talk about this, that and the other. My first tip for you is the icebreaker. Conversation. You're, you have a responsibility to make this experience for them as pleasant as possible. So don't talk about COVID. Don't mention it. Everyone has had covid overload for the last year the last thing they want to do is have that experience where they come to the salon and they hear you moaning about covid or not you moaning about covid but everyone obviously it's going to be in their face because you're wearing masks and you're sanitizing there's a smell of bleach in the air and detol but try and try not touch on the covid subject you know it's bringing back lots of different and awkward memories for a lot of people so try not to mention it you know think of old um, basil 40 in 40 towers don't mention the war he mentioned it once but he think he got away with it have that same attitude when you talk to your clients the second tip is pace yourself i don't know if you were like me but this time last year i was Bending over backwards to try and squeeze every single client in as fast as I possibly can. Well, all it done for me was not only, uh, well, make me kind of ill because I was wearing masks, you know, throughout because they brought in the mandatory masks in the middle of summer, which made it extremely difficult to cut hair, have a conversation, do all those things. It made me short of breath and it gave me sore throats. But pace yourself. There's no need for you to do 15 clients in a day. You're going to exhaust yourself. You know, you've got to come out of this whole reopening thing slowly and surely. So pace yourself. I'm booking in maximum of three clients a day and I'm going to spread them out over the next six weeks. Because what I found I did is I just burnt through my clients in the first two weeks. And then I'm twiddling my thumbs for four to six weeks waiting for everyone to come back through. So yeah, pace yourself. Spread your clients out and manage your column. Very, very important. And the third thing, and this is probably the most important thing of all. During your next appointment, it's going to be so important for you to be able to justify your price. Now, obviously, going back to the client's euphoric appreciation that they can come back and get their hair done, you've got to then justify your price naturally your price is going to have gone up because your time spent with that customer has gone up and the amount of money you have to spend on things from disposable capes gowns and all those things in order to make your salon covid safe justify your price don't forget about the experience so give them something extra you can't be giving them coffee because obviously that's still probably not allowed but do whatever you can to make them thoroughly enjoy the experience. And remember, make them book in again in six weeks' time. Simple as that. Anyway, good luck, everyone. I hope this has been of some value to you. Um, and, yeah, the next part of the show is... Okay, then, Joe, what's got you go on LinkedIn? Well, there was this um, one of my connections, uh, Peter 
Tropicana Roxy, right? Is 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 an easy for you to say? Yeah, yeah, it's an open truth. Anyway, he's he's. I think it's like a it's a European Russia, but he's always putting this sort of like a anti-democratic posting and things like that. Anyway, the other day he put this sort of kill the bill uh, about the, uh, the kill the bill sort of like that's been, been proposed. But uh, but you know what the kill the bill is, don't you? Right? It's about the um, the, the the right. To sort of like minimise the demonstration and protesting uh, is going on, right? But it's been infiltrated by so many um, factions, haven't they? You know, sort of Black Lives Matter, the Socialist Party, blah blah. blah. Even even to uh, misinterpret, kill the bill doesn't kill the police, all right? Right. And anyway, it's it's kind of this sort of narrative about sort of like how unfair and undemocratic, you know, sort of. Pre- preventing protests, marches and things like that through through um, London is. Well, you know, in New York, for example, there's no demonstrations. There's, there's only the Easter parade and St. Patrick's Day, but there's no demonstrations as such are allowed in New York. You know that? Right, okay. Now, as a Londoner, I, I could sort of categorically say this in my hand to heart, that every year, all my working life, right, London's always been disrupted by needless protest marches. Right. Needless. You know, whatever reason, right, anti-government, anti-this, anti-that, right, is always... Extinction Rebellion, are you putting oh, in that category? Yeah. Oh, they were the worst, right? I mean, they were the worst, they yeah, were the they worst. were the worst. I mean, they? the, the, the interest of the Extinction Rebellion, right, a couple of years ago, right, during the time when they were protesting and they just held up London to a ransom, right, whatever ransom there may be, and the government, mm. right, was, this is, this is the... This is the the nastiness, the, the evenness of these people, right, that I, I've sort of said. Now, remember the time they went to the subway and they were trying to stop people going to work by protesting mm. on the subway, right? What did the, these people do? They actually got them off the train and that literally, literally flung, flung them off the train, right? And they yeah. didn't give a shit about them, right? They, to the point where they got beaten up. They got, you know, bruised noses, yeah? Yeah. I said, what they did, they went back into the streets and, and protested. You know why? Because they got protection by the police. The, most Londoners, and I can say this with hand to heart again, right, will mm. smash any protest in London um, and, and it, that's, that's been held in London. Taxi drivers, motorists, people, because we just want to go to work. We want to go to work and go home. We don't need to hear about this um, whatever protest or whatever protest, whatever protest. You know are what? you saying that people people with nothing to do are the ones that protest exactly. and because people that are busy will, will you know will get annoyed by exactly, it exactly because you would have gone away and if you look at most of the ad, uh, political agitators getting arrested it's always the same people they're okay. a renter mob they're rent- sure okay. okay all right so how does that change when there's an anti-lockdown march for example because essentially well, I believe uh, this this is a majority of the people marching on London because they want to go back to work. <laughs> yeah, because they, no, because you've got two, two, two different narratives of data, haven't you? You've got one data source saying it's dangerous to be sort of like uh, mingling, and you've got one data right. source saying, well, you know, no, it's not really. So What don't kill you makes you stronger. Type of thing, whatever, okay? Yeah. It, it does it does Natural make, selection, you know, it, it, all of those scientific but, things but protesting, that have been established for hundreds of years that have been thrown out the window Can I ask you a based question? on... Can I ask you a question? Why do you elect an MP? 
uh, to supposedly represent us in Parliament and to protect the vulnerable. Thank you very much. So if you've got mm. a grievance, you'll get yep. together, you'll petition, you give it to your MP and say, look, there's 100,000 people, all of, we all agree to the same thing, represent us. Now, mm. what's the point, right, getting Tom DeCanary from Blackpool, Manchester, Madrid, Paris, Italy, whatever, to co all converge to London and to march through the streets of London? What for? Brand awareness. It's marketing. It's not marketing. It's it is actually downright, actually, sort of like, um, it, it gives the it gives the government more powers to do what they want to do, which is an authoritarian society, right? They, it, it actually has a reverse effect. It doesn't, it, it doesn't demonstrate democracy, right? It actually mm. takes away democracy, you know? So, so you're not on the side of this bill that's... I, I've never that been, prevents all protests. I've never been against the right to the right to free speech and the right to protest London, peacefully. You believe you believe that's an old faddy tradition that doesn't exist in it, modern it, day. It, you know, shouldn't it, exist in it, modern day. One, uh, there was London. only one march in the history of the of this country that was very effective, mm. and that was a Jarrow march and the suffragettes. Well, no, that's two right. marches, right? That was a hundred years ago, right? Exactly. Nowadays, well, there was a million people for the Stop the War march, wasn't there? It didn't in, stop um, it. T early 2000s it stop about it. the Gulf. The Gulf War. No, it didn't. And that was a million people. You know what I mean? And Alistair Campbell was behind that with Tony Blair. Um, no, no, yeah. Alistair Campbell, no. Tony, Alistair Campbell was spin doctor in Tony Blair right, to go to war, right? And now mm. he's telling everybody, right, that all this data is false. So, he, you know, he's a spin doctor at the highest level. Right, it's uh, right. They, they, they're just agitators. You're just someone trying to say, I, I'm not probably coming across very eloquently. But yeah, but like I say, I just London, think it's London, it's London, it's freedom of speech, Joe, and I think you're treading no, on no, very, no. very. No, no, no. You are. You're treading speech. on very, very draconian ground no, by it's removing not. people's rights to protest. How can it be freedom of speech, right, when I can't sort of say what I want to say in a football match? A no. protest. No, 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 and no. speech are linked no, because no, the no. right to po no. protest peacefully is a, a one of these inalienable rights, right? No, I, like, I, like, I the, remember... like, like, like the right to travel. No, no, like no, the no, right no, no, to no, no. That's different. That's breathe different. the air. We're, we're talking about we're talking about demonstrating in London, right? We're not talking about tra traveling or anything like that. So don't don't say. I I remember when when the um, when all these all when we went to the Emirates Stadium, right? Hmm. And we were playing Tottenham, okay. Um, the first game at the, at the Emirates Stadium, and there was this, um, there was this sort of Tottenham supporters, right? And they were sort of saying F, A, B, and C, and one guy, he said A, B, and C, he got arrested, he got kicked out, and I said to the steward, how comes they can say it but he can't? Because they're collective. When you're collective, you can say anything you want. So when you're an individual, you can't say what you can't, what you want. That is. Anti, you see the difference how the narrative is. That's why these demonstrations, right, are pointless. They're ex they're exploiting rules, right, not to the benefit of society, but to benefit themselves. Okay, because they go the collective form, they shout and they scream and blah, 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 and they think they've got an opinion, they've got a voice. You know what? Like Clintus was said in one of his films, every opinion is like an arsehole because everyone's got one type of thing. You know right. what I mean? So I, I kind of think that London doesn't need demonstration. London needs to work. It needs to. It needs people to get up, go to work, 
a coho mm. as, as fluently as possible. We were talking about traffic, um, the roads. Again, this is another sign of protest, okay? Because every, every road works is a protest against a car. You, do you know what I mean? Every traffic jam is a protest against a car. London doesn't need this. And then CD Khan, right, talked about, oh, well, London needs to be get, get up and working. How are you going to work London when you've got protest marches going left, right and centre? You've got roadworks that go... No, I agree. I agree. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just really struggling to connect the dots between the idea that an individual process, protest... It's not individual, um, mate. They're all, they're all getting infiltrated. No, 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 no. I'm just trying to... Look, bear with me. I'm just trying to figure out and trying to wrap my head around what you're saying. You're saying a protest which involves lots of people is good... But a protest that involves the individual is not only is it futile, it's actually not allowed. No, no, I'm, I'm sort of saying, right, a, pro a protest by one individual is, yeah. is against the, is anti. Is against the law. Is anti-speech, is anti-hate, is, is speech, hate, um, hate, speech, hate crimes, all this kind of thing. Yeah. But if you're collective, right, then You can work on your marketing yeah. and you can make sure that you say things in a way... Yeah. That resonate. Is that fair? And that can't be banned. Is that fair? No. Exactly. And that's no. that's exactly what all these protest marchers do in London. They get together and they agitate. It's not fair. It's not protesting, mate. It is actually agitating. And and that's what look, we we're, we're in the Burton Arcade, right? Every mm. once a year, every Saturday, I think it was about May time, June time. There used to be a naked cycle ride going through central London. And it all started... Yeah, hilarious. Hilarious. But, Put a smile on everybody's well, face, Well, it right? did, it did, it, it did, it did, it, right? So but, that's got to be useful. But why were they protesting? You know why? No. They wanted more bicycle lanes. Ah, well, they've got their wish, Joe. No, but they're, just, they're, still, they're still protesting. It worked. It, it exactly worked. But it's still, but it it's, worked. No, but it's still protesting. London is now a cycle lane mess. Yes, I, and, I agree. But they, still, they haven't stopped them. They're still protesting. Okay, good stuff. Anyway, Joe, I think we've come <laughs> to the end of this. I think we've wrung the rag dry. Uh, right, I man. don't think we can get another drip out of this subject matter. Okay. So, um, yeah, hopefully it's been useful for everyone that's listening. Um, what are you up to this week, Joe? You got any plans? No, I'm uh, just um, no, not really. Just enjoyed it, mate. I'm just enjoyed it. I really am. Okay. How about you? What are you doing? Uh, it's the wife's birthday uh, oh. month. So, birthday month. Yeah, she. She celebrates an entire month, mate. Don't worry about that. So it started the other day, obviously, with Easter eggs. So I've lavished her with lots of chocolate and lots of Easter eggs. Uh, we're going away to um, a self-contained lodge for a couple of days. Um, Lovely. Yeah. So we've got a couple of days planned. And then we're going into London next weekend for a, um, a meal uh, with a couple of friends. There's a, basically, there's a roof terrace. Um, that we're going to have dinner at. So, yeah, I mean, my missus is just desperate to celebrate because we were supposed to be celebrating her birthday this year in France. Uh, you know the show Escape to the Chateau? Yes. We were supposed to be spending uh, Emma's birthday there this year, but obviously, oh. thanks, COVID, um, Kai boshed that, so we've had to put it back for 12 months. But, um, but, yeah, no, we've got a busy week of celebration and obviously the kids are off school for a week. So, um, yeah, there you go. Oh, so it's fantastic, man. I think you have a great time. Mm. 
yeah, Lunderford Treehouse. And, and yes, I feel, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. To just go out one night with my wife and have something to it as well. It'd be quite nice, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure, for sure. So yeah, so I've got some, so I've got some editing. So we have got some shows in the bank that I'm going to try and get out over the next week or so. We've got a great show that we did with Lee Stafford yes. uh, last week. Um, so yeah, so watch out for that. Um, but yeah, um, well, nice to speak to you, Joe. Hey, you too, mate. Be good. Yes, will do. And I'll speak to you soon. Look forward to it. Cheers, mate. Take care. Bye, everyone.